Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm going to be talking about Red S, which is an acronym for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. I'll discuss what it is, what it means for your health, and how you can build healthy habits to fuel your active lifestyle. What up, team? Welcome back to The Daily Dollop. My name's Kate Freeman, and I'm a registered nutritionist and the founder of The Healthy Eating Hub and The Healthy Eating Clinic. Excited to have you tuning into the show today where I'm getting a little bit niche with my nutrition and talking about a syndrome known as Red S. And like I said in the intro, it stands for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. And so if you are a recreational or competitive or semi-professional or professional athlete, this podcast is for you. If you have a friend or family member who does a lot of exercise and activity or sport, make sure you share this episode with them. It will really help them. So my fun fact today to go along with today's episode is that many years ago I did CrossFit, which was kind of like this cultish little fitness um, I don't know, what would you call it? Method or uh, philosophy. And then a bunch of gyms like popped up and it originated in America and then came across to Australia. And it's a mixture of Olympic weightlifting, high intensity training, gymnastics. Anyway, it was super fun and I became completely addicted to it for about three years. I got pretty strong. I got to the point where I could deadlift twice my body weight and back squat more than my body weight, which was super cool. And I loved being that strong, but I fell into the trap of feeling pressure to be lean and to look strong. And, you know, our culture really puts this emphasis on, you know, if you're not sort of thin and, and beautiful, then you, you need to be like strong, fit and lean and I was really fit and really strong, but I still had this sort of, you know, layer of fat under my skin, which was completely normal and healthy. But I fell into the trap of the pressure of thinking that I needed to to be leaner. So I looked stronger. And of course, I started um, under eating to try and achieve that. But because I was training so much, I was just super struggling and I ended up getting really badly injured. And that thus ended my CrossFit career and I just couldn't get back into it again. And, you know, there were a number of factors went into my injury and subsequent not recovering and returning to CrossFit. But part of it was that I simply was just not eating enough to fuel my training. And I had let some pretty poor thinking styles get into about how I should look. And really it was, is completely irrelevant. And so I just want to talk to the active people out there who are doing a lot of exercise, doing competitive sport, um, you know, maybe you're working towards a big race that, um, yeah, it's really important that you're looking after yourself. So let's get stuck into today's episode. I'm talking specifically, obviously, 
to a, a population group who are doing a certain level of, of training. So, you know, if you're just doing half an hour, hour of exercise a day, you know, four or five times a week, this episode is not really for you. You certainly take some things away from it. Absolutely. But I'm really talking in terms of training volume to the person who trains 10 to 12 hours or more at medium to high intensities per week. So ultra marathon runners, endurance cyclists, um, dancers who do competitive dancing and dancing, you know, many hours a week, uh, powerlifting, crossfitters who are doing competitive um, training levels, you know, team sports with really high training loads, swimmers, you know. So if you're doing, you know, a couple of hours of training on most days of the week, then, then you're actually classified as an athlete. And so relative energy deficiency in sport or red S is a syndrome that refers to the impaired physiological functioning of the body caused by relative energy deficiency or low energy availability. So low energy availability is actually simply a, just a description of the mismatch between an athlete's energy intake, so what they're eating, their diet, and then the energy that they're expending through their training and their exercise, which is then leaving an inadequate amount of energy to support the functions required by the body just to maintain optimal health and performance. And so there's actually an equation that researchers um, use as well as health professionals use that can calculate energy availability and thus they can use this to then study the effects that these different levels of availability of energy has on health and performance of the athlete. Super interesting stuff. So scientific studies and a number of trials in particular, this has been done a lot in women, have shown that the optimal energy availability for healthy physiological function is typically achieved um, at an energy availability of 45 calories per kilogram of fat-free mass. So that was a little bit of a mouthful. So don't stress too much about these numbers, but just let me create a scenario that will help the number make sense. So just to backtrack a little bit, typically with a non-athlete, we just do an individual estimation of, you know, their energy expenditure um, and then we make our nutrition recommendations based on this number um, and adjust it according to their goals, right? We just do a really basic estimation there. For an athlete, considering the extra stress on the body of the high volumes of training, we actually do this a little bit differently and calculating energy availability is a much better gauge of what is right for that individual um, athlete. And so let's take an example. I'm just going to do a quick case study so that you can understand this a little bit more. So we've got a 65 kilogram female athlete. She's 25% body weight, uh, body fat rather, which is very healthy. Um, and she does training every single day where she burns approximately 500 calories per session. Now she's actually sticking to a 1200 calorie diet every day because she's trying to drop her body fat. So even though her body fat is healthy, it is at the, the sort of higher end of the recommended range and she wants to be leaner and get her body fat closer down to, you know, 18, 20%. So this is why she's doing her 1200 calorie a day, but she hasn't dialed back her training. She's still training every day and on average burning around 500 calories. So to work out her energy availability, what we're going to do is do her energy intake 
minus her energy expenditure. So we're going to do 1,200 calories minus 500 calories. And then we're going to divide that number by her fat-free mass. So not her total body weight, but her fat-free mass, which is basically her muscles because these are the most metabolically active cells in the body. And in the case of an athlete, super metabolically active, right? They're, they're churning a lot of energy. So we want to see per kilogram of fat-free mass, what, what energy is left over to fuel this training. And so if we do this calculation based on this case study, we have an energy availability of 14 calories per kilogram of fat-free mass. Now, remember, I just said that an optimal energy availability for a woman is 45 calories per kilogram of fat-free mass. And so you can see quite clearly here that this woman is not eating enough and that she is um, at risk of energy deficiency and um, and, at, and at risk of a red S. And so what research has actually shown is that body systems appear to become impaired at an energy availability below 40, uh, 30 rather. So if this woman continues down this path, trying to stick to 1200 calories, training the way she's training, that she's at risk of a number of health problems. She's simply not eating enough to fuel her training and to look after her body. Now, I want to just chat briefly about the fact that there's a number of psychological issues at play here. You know, the like I mentioned with my experience with CrossFit, like I wasn't a, even a professional. It was purely recreational and fun for me. And I still felt the pressure to be lighter and leaner, you know, to look more aesthetic, athletic. Um, you know, it can drive an athlete to be restrictive. That is huge pressure, particularly athletes who find themselves in, you know, the public spotlight or things like that. You know, some athletes are really busy. They have busy lives. Not only are they training, you know, 10 to 12 hours a week, but they're also going to uni or they have jobs or families. And so they're just, you know, got crazy lives and they're unorganized and sometimes they fail to just have enough food to eat throughout the day. So they're under eating for that reason. You know, sometimes for some athletes, high training loads and stress can actually reduce their appetite, which makes them not want to eat. I recently chatted to a group of young dancers who found that on big days when they did sort of two to three hours of dancing, that they didn't feel hungry after that session, even though it was actually really important that they ate after that session. And another sort of challenge is that some athletes find the high food volumes that are required to meet their training needs combined with just general a lot of training just plays a bit of havocs with their guts and they have tummy discomfort and timing the food with the training can just be a little bit tricky with the rest of their lives. So look, there's a number of things at play here for people just trying to manage the demands of the training itself on their body, but also their life and just the mental and physical things that go along with living. And so I guess what's important is whatever the reason, if an athlete continues to uneat, undereat, and they have a low energy availability, that there are actually some serious health consequences that come from the energy availability not improving consistently. The main health consequences of red S include impairments to metabolic rate, um, disturbed menstrual function and the eventual loss of your period, poor bone health, 
low immunity, decreased protein synthesis, poor cardiovascular health. And in younger athletes, it can actually impair their normal growth and development as well. I also want to mention that low energy availability is also a serious syndrome that affects men as well. There's not quite as much research in men. I have actually linked to a consensus statement paper on Red S in the show notes if you want to read more about this and the health consequences and things like that. You know, um, male athletes such as cyclists, uh, rowers, runners, jockeys, weight class athletes in combat sports, they're the main male athletes at risk of low energy availability. Um, And there are slightly different biological effects in men, but one of the main ones for them is the health consequences of having reduced testosterone that comes from low energy availability. Okay, so just to finish off this episode, you know, we've learned, okay, this is what red S is, you know, this is how we maybe calculate the energy availability for an athlete. Now I want to talk about how we can develop a healthier relationship with food and training and just what you can do to help nourish yourself a little bit more and fuel that big training schedule. Tip number one is you need to get a good health professional on your side. Qualified sports dietitian is an absolutely great place to start. Sports nutrition is quite niche. It actually is quite different to general healthy eating guidelines and requires a highly individualized approach. So a really good, you know, um, nutrition coach who's preferably a qualified sports dietitian and someone who you're seeing regularly is super great to have in your corner. So look out for someone. Um, my team can certainly help you, but you know, finding someone that you really trust and is qualified and experienced in this area is vital. Number two is definitely do a thorough check of your energy availability and make sure that what you're eating is aligning to your training. A good sports dietitian will know to do this. If you're not sure, you can reach out and do a session with me where I can do this for you, you know, but certainly making sure that you're not, you know, doing crazy amounts of exercise and trying to stick to a 1200 calorie or a really low calorie diet or trying to fast or do intermittent fasting, like these things will really impair your health long term. So you must be eating um, to fuel your training. It's really, really important. Number three is actually start thinking about periodizing your goals. So if you are wanting to get leaner or um, you wanting to lose a little bit of weight because you do feel like it will help with your performance, but you also want to maximize your performance at competitions and at trainings, you need to understand that that sometimes these two goals are often not compatible with each other at the same time. So the dietary strategies required to lose body fat aren't the same dietary strategies that we'd use to maximize your performance in a game or training. And so if weight loss is your goal, maybe plan to sort of periodize. So um, in your off season, when training isn't so much or you can reduce your training volume a little bit, you know, there's no pressure to perform at your peak, then your body can handle being in a deficit much, much easier um, because your body's not under so much stress. And so you're just sort of periodizing. You're just thinking, okay, for the next sort of three, four months, I'm just going to focus on fat loss um, and just adjust my nutrition strategy and my training for that goal. And then once you're sort of at that goal and you're feeling good, then you can start to adjust once the season comes along and focus on performance now. And certainly periodizing this and and working this out with your qualified dietitian is a really, really great thing to do. 
The fourth thing is if you're struggling with stress and anxiety, depression, body dysmorphia, a poor relationship with food, talk to your GP, get some help from a psychologist. Um, there are eating disorder mental health care plans that can get you rebates with a good dietitian um, and a psychologist. Like get some support and help so you can start to, you know, improve this relationship with food. And lastly is embrace meal planning. If you're under eating just simply because you're unorganized and you haven't got food available to you and you haven't got enough to eat throughout the day, then really start to build the skill of planning your meals and shopping in advance and just thinking ahead so that you can have the food available when you need it um, so that you're not under eating purely because you've forgotten to pack yourself something to eat. Well, that's it for today's show team. If you are an active trainer or a a semi-professional or recreational athlete, please look after yourselves, reach out and get some support and have a fantastic day. After years of being bombarded with diet culture, I so understand that the world of healthy eating is super, super hard. My healthy eating program helps people who are struggling with their eating habits to lose weight, feel good about themselves and eat well for the rest of their life. I do this by teaching one nutrition principle at a time and showing you how to establish this knowledge as a habit in your everyday life. This is unlike any other program on the market today that simply gives you a meal plan, a list of good and bad foods or expects you to change everything all at once. Life's too short to live with food stress. To become a habit builder and not a crash dieter, join my program today at healthyeatinghub.com.au. Thank you so much for checking out The Daily Dollop. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so that we can spread the podcast far and wide and so you don't miss an episode.